so excited. And yeah. He, he was I a- remember that that day the, we were signing these documents like over and over. And fi- the lady said, well, do you have any questions? And Dylan asked a question we all wondered. He said, when do we get to see Erica? <laughs> Welcome back! Happy New Year! Woohoo! Oh my gosh, 2021, we are ready for it. Let's make it a good one. <laughs> Everybody clap your hands! <laughs> We're excited. Oh my gosh. Hopefully, 2021 is the year of everybody thriving and living their best lives because this last year was the worst. But we are excited to bring you uh, some new content. So welcome back to Colombian Influence. Uh, This is just a podcast where we talk about our experiences as adult adoptees, uh, as that part of the adoption triad, but also just kind of trying to get um, more in touch with our Colombian roots. So I think 2021 is the year. Did that? Was that English? I think 2021 (laughs) is the year. Twenty twenty one is the year where we are going to be able to dive more into that, which I'm personally excited for, um, especially when it comes to like hopefully restaurants being open and Erica and I can go eat all the Colombian food. <laughs> if you haven't checked out our live video on Facebook, do so, but it is a little cringeworthy, like looking back at it. A little. We really like that soup, though. Yes. <laughs> oh, the dessert was so good. Oh, the dessert. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't seen pictures of us, you know now that we're not skinny people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we are excited to dive back in. Um, so today's episode, we are going to be interviewing. Now you can do a drum roll. That was a terrible drum roll, but whatever. We're never going to get there. It's fine. We are going to be interviewing Erica's parents. This has been a long time coming. They didn't know it, but it has been. (laughs) We've been talking about this forever, like since the beginning, just wanting to do this. And I think now we're at a really good point as far as our personal growth with the topic and just kind of... um, being able to look at it from a different lens, at least in my opinion, I think that's something that has been, uh, we've been moving forward with that. And I think now we're at a really good point to be able to tackle these questions and uh, relay them to our audience in a different kind of manner than maybe we would have a year ago. Uh, following this one, we'll be interviewing my parents. So um, look out for that one coming up soon as well. So yeah, I'm excited. Okay, well, we're super excited to have my parents on our podcast today. Welcome, Sally and Lowell. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's an honor. Well, we're really excited to, you know, dive into parent interviews. We're going to be doing uh, my parent interviews next. But so thank you for being our guinea pigs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And we have yet, I believe, to interview any... Erica, correct me if I'm wrong. Any adoptive parents at this point, right? Uh, we did Dustin. Oh, that's right. Okay, so then just the second. Okay, wow. Yeah, and that's they were very new. They had a brand new baby. 
Oh my gosh. And that was like, wow. So, long ago. so you're just our, only our second uh, couple that has adopted and obviously at very different stages. So we're excited to kind of dive into our questions. Um, that said, if you guys wouldn't mind just kind of giving us the rundown, I don't know if I want to say rundown, but, um, just a sum up of like where you guys or how you guys met and how your relationship started when you got married, all that good stuff. Okay. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, we met, I was in my second year of college, uh, the university of Iowa, and I had already known a couple people from Fort Dodge, Iowa was where Sally grew up. And so then my second year when I was a sophomore, it was both our first days of school that year. I was walking down the hall and a woman who was a mutual friend yelled out, Lowell! And with her was Sally. And at that moment, you know, I met Sally and I think was your roommate with you at the time? No. Okay, so I met Sally and we may have talked about there being, back then you had parties in the dormitories and I think we discussed a party coming up. And actually the day we met. My very first day of college, my very first day at school. Oh, my God. And so then we kind of hung out with similar people because you knew people and I was introduced to people. Yeah, we we hung out in a large group together for quite a while, Mm -hmm. a couple months. Yeah, and then we started hanging out on our own. Yeah, we kind of just... On our own. And um, so then we dated through college, and actually that was... Back in the day when people married really young. Mm-hmm. So we dated for about three years. And then one by one, all of our friends were getting Already married. Getting married yeah. And it seems crazy to think about this, but I was 21 and Lowell was 22 when we got married. Oh, wow. We got so married. We were really young. After I had graduated and Sally had one more year of school and I worked at mm-hmm. the school then. And yeah, we got married. Oh. Summer of 1980, we got married. Oh, gotcha. That's awesome. Uh, do you want to do the next question, Erica? So individually, where are you from? Uh, what was your family dynamic growing up? Were you exposed to adoption or foster care as a child? I'll start with that. Um, so I grew up in a small town of 1,500. And I mean, it was a small town. Our house the front of our house was in town and the backyard was a farm. So we actually had, I remember cows in the, behind our home, sheep being raised. So it was really a rural area. Um, my dad was a telephone repairman for the, he was, the, I think that telephone repairman, I think he had a helper at the time too. And my mom was a stay at home mom. We had, there were four kids. I had two older sisters, a younger brother and my dad usually had Wednesday afternoons off, and we would go to the Mississippi River water skiing. So it was a very, very active family. We did a lot of things together. We skied together in the wintertime. Usually we went on two or three-week vacations when he had time off in the summer. So did a lot of his family. Um, I did have two cousins who were adopted, and they were probably, I think, like five and seven, and I was probably six. So I was really familiar with adoption. Wow. And- Throughout high school, I had a good friend who um, lost his father. Then he was adopted um, by another man. So I was pretty exposed to adoption and knew that that's, yeah, that's the way the families are made also. So, Oh, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Sally? I was born in 
Fort Dodge, Iowa, so the other part of the state from Lowell, and um, grew up in a big old farmhouse where my dad lived when he was a little boy. So a lot of family history on that property. Um, I was the sixth of 10 kids. So we had a really large family. Um, I had seven brothers and two sisters, which is why I feel like I have a degree of flexibility about um, kind of abstract random is okay. Don't have to be, you know, super concrete and organized, which can be good or can be bad. But um, I grew up in a very, very busy, busy household. And um, my mom was mostly stay at home too. There were a few times when she did a few um, part-time jobs, but not, not much. And, um, you know, she was busy being the mom in the house. Sure. All the tasks that you have to do when you have that many children. Um, My oldest brother was a freshman in college when my youngest brother was born. So I would say most of the time during my childhood, there were five or six of us at home or six Mm -hmm. or six or seven of us. Um, It was busy. We had fun. We camped and rode bikes on gravel roads and um, read books from the library and just kind of had a lot of uh, the simple pleasures of growing up in that time period and Mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. Were you exposed to adoption or foster care? I have been thinking about that, and I remember in elementary school that there was a girl who was adopted. But beyond that, I no, I didn't really know much about that, and not foster care either. No. Okay. You said you got married what year, remind me? 1980. 1980, okay. And then... Um, when did you guys start like talking about a family? Was that shortly after? Probably about three years later. I would say probably three years. Yeah, three we, or three you or finished four. college, and then we kind of you know moved. We moved from where we went to school to the first to um, we moved to Northeast Iowa then for a ways. And I, yeah. I think sometime during the first, probably after three years, we talked about a lot. And of course, people are always asking, right? Especially even more so back then, like that oh, is oh, yeah. back, really a conversation that people were sensitive yeah. to. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> back then that was really asked a lot. And I think we're very respectful of not doing that to people. But, um, but back then that was, oh, yeah. that was, was a big topic. There was of kind of certain points and you had to be in your life and you had to get married yeah. and have children. So yeah. Well, and at first we, we were just having fun as a young married couple. Yeah. And also um, I think, and I don't know if this happens to couples today or not, but for us it was always like, Oh, when would be the right time to, you know, to, bring children, have kids. Are we financially ready? Are we, you know, are we at a house that's going to be big enough? Are we some of those kinds of unknowns that maybe um, cause us to wait a little longer too. But anyway, at about year three or four, whenever it was, we started thinking about that. And then uh, we experienced infertility at that point and kind of well, that's, that happened when we were still down in Iowa, but we were, remember, we were pretty young. And so 
I remember the doctor just kind of saying, oh, don't worry, you're, yeah. you're so young. Just relax. But yeah. then when we moved to the Twin Cities, we started going to a different doctor. I went to a different doctor. And after about a year of like trying the same old stuff of just, you know, just nothing, um, I came home one day and told Lowell, you know what, we got to go somewhere else. And so we went to the University of Minnesota hospitals and clinics. And through a lot of effort there, that's where we were able to become pregnant. Yeah. In the midst of that, though, we did. Um, oh, yeah. Before that. We did look into we went to a couple of meetings of mm -hmm. adoption place. We went to I, I remember an office we sat in. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of kept our our options open. Right. Because we it was funny. That, it sounds like. Yeah. For, yeah. From the very beginning. Really. Yeah. So we we didn't, um, you know, first we didn't. Once we want, we knew we wanted to have children. Then it was like a goal. So yeah, we um, yeah, we explored lots of yeah, options. Yeah, we did. And then when the um, when the fertility things treatments worked, then we put that adoption piece on pause. And uh, and then Dylan was born. Dylan is our son who is thirty two today. And Dylan was born. And then I remember the doctor is saying to me, "If you want to have any other children." now's the time. Like I wasn't even out of the hospital yet with yeah. Dylan. <laughs> and I said, what? Yeah. And he said, you would be most able to get pregnant again right now. And I remember, I remember looking at him and saying, I think we're probably just going to relax a little bit. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't quite ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> And so then we probably waited until Dylan was about two. And then we thought, okay, well, let's try again. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we encountered um, a, a more infertility. And, uh, and I think it was at one point they said, we're not really even sure how you got pregnant last time. That was kind of. Yeah. Like, Whoa. And so when he was about four, I remember having a conversation with him. We started talking to him about adoption. And we included him in the process. And then when we traveled, Erica, he, Dylan was um, six. He turned six in Columbia. So yeah. we talked about it for a while with him. Then we started seeking out um, more fully about a year after we were talking to him. I mean, I think we yeah. kind of. Well, there's a point when we kind of, the infertility, I mean, there's a lot of frustration with going to the doctors where we just turned our focus to adoption. We just decided, okay, right. we're done trying this method we're going to um right and when we started going to meetings i i i also remember i attend we went to a couple different infertility groups there was a group yes. at the time called resolve incorporated and through resolve mm -hmm. we had some great support about infertility and one thing i remember from that is that that we knew we were ready to let go of the infertility and move to having a child through adoption mm -hmm. because we reached that level of resolve, you know, acceptance. Yeah. Okay. But while we were um, going through the process, we met some great people along the way. And I remember I attended um, a couple of different conferences in the twin cities that were specifically about 
um, infertility, and then they would have an adoption component or whatever. So um, there were great resources. Interesting. Okay. So then that, I guess, kind of answers the question of like when and how uh, you decided to adopt. Obviously, it seems like early on with that, it was just the decision that you wanted to have children regardless of how. So obviously, you guys kind of did that a little bit sooner than having your first child. Um, And what was the organization that you guys ended up doing the adoption process through? Children's Home Society. Home Society. Yeah, Children's Home Society. And at the time, this this has been really interesting for us to think about, you know, the whole process and everything in preparation for this meeting. Yeah. We went through a few folders from long ago and... We came upon a couple of interesting things. One was that in 1993, Children's Home Society had worked with, what, Lowell? 18 different countries. Yeah, 18 different countries. On, and I know the audience can't see this, but um, it is a sheet of paper that they gave to people who um, attended mm-hmm. meeting to see if you might want to um, pursue adoption. And you see they have it broken down there to the country about how long it it took, how old of what the requirements were for couples or how old they needed to be. Kind of in-country fees. um, Wow. Waiting time. How long you're in the country. That's so clerical. That's so weird. Yeah. And I totally don't remember that. It wasn't until we looked at today I thought, oh, my God. Because I don't remember, you know, considering 18 different countries. I think we narrowed it down pretty quickly I because of distance and what we knew about country countries. But that was interesting. And, and then I saw a piece of paper that said in 1993, so the year before, or maybe it would have been 92. In any case, Children's Home Society had helped um, 414, did I tell you? Yeah. Um, in, infants and children throughout Minnesota, the United States, and internationally find homes that year. So at the time, international adoption was really um, very, very um, active. Common, I suppose. Yeah, and active. Yeah. Interesting. So is that, you had mentioned like with certain things as far as choosing Columbia, um, how besides like kind of history of that, what other things can you tell us about like why you chose Columbia? Well, one big thing is that my oldest brother had done work there um, in the country. He had done a little bit of work there. He had been there about been, he had friends times. There. He I mean, had he, friends he there. He knew the country of Columbia, and that kind of, it's funny how life is, but we saw that, and I was like, oh, yeah, we know all about Columbia. You know, all these <laughs> countries we saw, we felt familiar with that one. And I, I knew a little Spanish, not not a lot to save my life, maybe, it's like, <laughs> but but uh, enough to get us by in a very rudimentary way. <laughs> but so we thought, well, we meet the criteria, you know, let's see what they said about criteria. Young couple for, for young children, older couples and singles for older children. That's interesting. And the, eight, the waiting time was, was supposed to be, well, that's through the orphanage program. Wait a minute. A year to May, three to 12 months was the waiting time. Oh, we needed to be married three years and be between the ages of 25 and 43, which we were. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's different breakdowns for different. It, it wow. Was kind of overwhelming at first, looking at all these, like you said, all this data. Yeah, wow. So what was the timeline like? What were all the steps you had to take to like go? Our, our timeline? Mm-hmm. 
like the very first meeting was. Oh, yeah, we jotted that down too. Our very first meeting at Children's Home Society. And we were in a room, and I think they call it the meeting with the orange chairs because you sat in this room and there's this like maybe 30 orange chairs and lots of other people in there. And it was uh, <laughs> kind of kind of like your first day of class. It was an introduc- introductory to adoption. And it was um, uh, November 5 of 93. So consider that you were born in May. And we went to our very first meeting, um, that second time around of meetings on November 5th. And then we did our initial paperwork on December 4th. Oh, wait. That's not right. Somehow I wrote 94. In any case, we did it. We did the paperwork. And then we had all kinds of things as far as timelines go. You know, you have the application, then you have a questionnaire from Children's Home where you tell a lot about yourself as a child and yourself as a, as a couple. Um, and since we had Dylan, you know, there were questions about um, inc- including him and uh, right. how we had prepared him. And then we had the home study where the social worker came to the home and that happened twice. I think she came twice and completed that paperwork. Walked through our house and Mm -hmm. looked for safety things and a lot of things like that. And then we had, we had to prepare a thing called the dossier, which had like, I don't know, it felt like a hundred things, but (laughs) I I still remember when we got that, I looked at it and I said, I don't know if we can do this because <laughs> it's just overwhelming. And, he said, and I don't think we can do it. And Sally said, well, let's just do the first one and then do the second one. And, you know, we focused that way and it really worked well. Just That's a good approach. Yeah. Time, <laughs> this yeah. giant dossier is just like, oh. It was overwhelming <laughs> it was like, at first. Yeah, because there were so many things to gather, you know, birth certificate, oh, yeah. certificate. Um Set All up, kinds of paperwork, the setting FBI, up interviews, clearance. Things had to be um, notarized, just lots of. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of oh. things. And then what's interesting when you think about the process is that, okay, so all that started in November. And then I see that on July 3rd of 1994 is when we got Erica's little picture and the referral. And then on July, we met you already. We flew on July 23rd, so two weeks later. So we had a whole bunch of preparation to do during that time, too. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet. (laughs) Yeah. And then we met you. We flew on the 23rd. We met you on the 25th at 930 in the morning. And I still remember that that when you called me that we had gotten a referral. I was at work. I was just like, whoa, really? You know, it's (laughs) all this time you're working toward this. And when it suddenly. It's like, like it's here. Wow. And mm-hmm. her name and everything. And I remember, it's you know how when something big in your life happens, you remember where you were? Yeah. And you just remember a lot about that moment. And I remember that, that day because I was um, at the office and had done summer school. And so I was at the office and the social worker from um, who we were working with, she was a Latin American contact from Children's Home. She called. And, of course, no cell phones. We had a car phone at that time, but (laughs) no cell phone. And so it was the office phone, and I just happened to be there. And so I picked it up. She didn't have to leave a message. 
And um, I left work as soon as I could that afternoon and went down to Children's Home and picked up the packet. And that's where we had Erica's little picture. Oh, yeah. Were you able to pick the gender and age and all of that then? Good question. Yeah. Interesting, because when we first filled out the initial paperwork, I think we we didn't want to shut ourselves or, you know, shut our, or keep our options low. So we said either gender is fine and age. At the time, we kind of thought, well, Dylan was five. We were thinking maybe a two or three year old. And when we met with, uh, was it the social worker that met with us? Um, she said, she inquired, why do you, why do you not want an infant? And we mm-hmm. just said, well, we just assumed it would be harder if we wanted an infant. And it actually it ended up being, she said, getting an older child can be more difficult or be a longer wait. And, and then also a lot of times the toddlers and preschoolers who come in have had, you know, uh, they have had hardship already mm-hmm. in their life. And so that was a piece of it, she said. And also um, the fact that they could predict how many newborns were coming. And once you know a Udeme, you know that's true because they had the, the, the birth moms were on site. Mm-hmm. Often. And so they could predict the numbers of newborns, but they couldn't predict um, oh. toddlers or, or oh, anyway, sure. we, we preferred an infant. We just didn't know that. That was, that was an option that yeah. would be viable. Sure. And the same with, um, you know, she said, well, if you want a girl, just tell us. It might, she said, it might make a difference in a week or two as far as the timeline. So, huh. mm-hmm. yeah. So, so as far as doing, um, since it was international adoption, I guess also just looping back, was there ever a time in the process where it was, uh, where domestic adoption was more likely to happen or that just didn't end up happening? Or was it always international is what you were leaning towards? Or what can you tell us about that? Domestic, when, if I remember right, domestic was a lot longer process. Am I right? I don't know. I mean, at the time, we yeah. we determined we w- were interested in international adoption. And so that's where our focus was. So we didn't go to domestic adoption meetings. Probably oh. after that night, that first night in the intro. Yeah. Then we, we, we didn't, you know, maybe the people in that group, maybe that was a general meeting where they were talking about um, domestic and international. But it would have been quickly after that. By the time we got this paper, we were already thinking about international. So yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Exactly where we, we just never yeah. We never so went that direction. So it's not like we considered domestic first. Sure. Uh, we can we just considered international adoption yeah. first. Gotcha. And so were there any extra things that you I mean, obviously besides the uh you know, a few obvious like traveling and st- such like that, was there anything that you guys were told ahead of time that would be extra you guys would need to do for international versus domestic that were going to be either more complicated or less or anything like that. That would be that dossier for sure. Right. That big packet of information that had to be notarized and all the steps in it. Um, And then, you know, passports and we went and needed that with the Mm -hmm. things like that and yeah. travel. And I think um, maybe it was a little more expensive, was it? International? Yeah. yeah. I think it was. Hmm. Interesting. So just to give you an example of that 
of that, the dossier. Okay. Yeah. Personal letter, photographs, the UDMA application form, the home study, the birth certificates, marriage certificate. Um, we had to put in FBI clearance, so we all had to get fingerprints, of course. <laughs> Um, Eric, you're like, oh my God. Even Dylan, yeah. five years old. Yeah. Oh study. my gosh, no way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have them over here somewhere. The home study. We had to have a doctor's statement that said we were in good physical and mental health. Letters of recommendation. We had to have three letters of recommendation. So a couple From of what types of sources? Anything particular for the letters of recommendation? I think we chose um, friends. Two and friends. We chose two friends and my sister. Okay. And um, those letters they wrote for us. Then we had to have financial worth or employment certificates. So we had to give our tax information. And then we had a statement that said that Children's Home is responsible with our cooperation for sending follow-up reports. Oh, yes, because then when we returned, we had a couple follow-up reports. So that gives you an idea. All that stuff had to be gathered and notarized, and that's why that one day you said, we cannot <laughs> do all this. <laughs> like, yes, we can, Lowell. <laughs> wow. Oh, and then pa- the passport and the copies of the passport and uh, things like that. So there was a lot, but... We just marched along, and it was moving so fast at that time. We thought we had it all done. We would be kind of just waiting. Right. And we did not wait very long, thank goodness. Yeah. I was in a normal pregnancy. What? Seven months, right? Yeah, it was fast. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I've never thought about it that way. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was. was. Looking back, it was amazing. It really was. It was crazy. I know a lot of people aren't so fortunate and they wait you know a long time but it, it just it was a whirlwind for us yeah back then that they were it was really really fast wow yeah well we stayed on top of our timelines we worked hard right, right. We, we did hard for that. we didn't yeah. say anything we just kept pushing pushing through on that list yeah if any besides this kind of document wise was there any challenges you faced during the adoption process yeah, I think understanding exactly what it was that we needed to do, you know, getting clarification when we needed it. Um, the people who we worked with at Children's Home were so available and so um, so great about helping us answer any question, but that would have for sure been one. And the other thing probably would be just, you know, through work and right and just one of the, it's one of those things I remember we thought well we're not you know you can't wait till you really have enough money we had to, <laughs> you know we had to make we took a second mortgage out we had to really work to make it work that way too mm-hmm. yeah did was there any um issues I guess from either side of like family members or any issues in regarding like adopting from from Colombia or just internationally or adoption in general? You know, I think we we talked because we're close with our family. We talked early on and even like I said before Dylan was born, we talked about adoption. So I don't know that that was there was ever any 
Not that we heard. Yeah. You know? Not yeah. our face, at least. Nobody said anything yeah. that way. Not that we heard. Which is good. At least yeah. that's the case. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that when we were gone to the country, um, when we were in the country, and that was a time in Columbia that was very unsettled compared right. to today, um, I know that our family was concerned for us because you know how sometimes it is when you're going somewhere, you're not worried about whether you're going to be safe getting there, like a long trip or something. Right. But but other people who know you're doing that might be worried or concerned right. about you. And so we weren't worried or concerned about us during the day-to-day things while we were there. But I know family members right. were, like our parents, were probably on pins and needles. But I mean, most through the process, mostly I remember support from family and yeah, friends. Yeah. People very being very supportive. Mm-hmm. I do too. Did so you send? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Are you sure? Yeah. I was just going to say, did you have a special way of announcing that you were adopting or did it just kind of come out or when you figured out I was the one kind of what was the process then? Yeah, that's a good question yeah. too. We made a lot of phone calls that night. Right. Yeah. We made a lot of phone calls because it wasn't as simple again as, you know, there were, there was no technology. Yeah, we couldn't, right. we couldn't post. No Instagram post and hashtag. Sharing a Facebook thing or, uh, or shooting out a yeah. little text even, yeah. picture of you, you know. And so sure. we made a lot of phone calls. We made a lot of phone calls that night. And our, our close friends and family knew that we were waiting and so, you know, they yeah. were they were ready for a phone call like that. We got, uh, I think the room that Dylan was in, we moved him to, we had another bedroom. And so we got that room ready for you right away, too. I remember that. Yep. Yep. That was fun. That was really fun. <laughs> oh, it seems so long ago, but it's like yesterday, too, you know. Right. Yeah, no kidding. So... Okay, so then this is obviously all of this has been like prior to actually going. Um, uh, let me see here. I imagine as far as like, I don't know if you know much about the process on like the birth mother side, but do you know if internationally, if the birth mom has a say in the parents chosen or if is it just based on kind of a... In our situation, I believe it was... Uh, um, People at a Udeme. People at the orphanage at Udeme. In fact, I wrote that down in here. I had written, um, I, we have this this baby book that is kind of sort of incomplete. <laughs> Sorry, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll get taken care of. But but I did write lots of things in it too. And one of the pages, and it, it's, it's a cool book because it's specifically for um, kids who are adopted. And so it's our baby's first seven years, a memory book for our child. And so there's a part in here about how we found our baby. And I I wrote this. We planned and planned for your arrival. Dylan was a big part of our preparations, too. We loved you and held you close in our hearts long before we got to meet you. It was so thrilling to get your referral from Children's Home Society and to say your beautiful name, Erica Adriana. It was perfect. And then I wrote... Um, that we chose a Udeme in Bogota because it was so reputable and Children's Home Society has worked with them for years. The match of baby to family is made by the people at a Udeme. 
who cared for you while we waited to meet you. Hmm. That's as much as we know. You know, we always wondered what the behind the scenes thing was. You know, they just flip yeah. through pictures. Did they actually read or, you know, I don't what? know. I think it was a lot of picture to picture, but <laughs> who knows? Um, this was a such a fabulous moment. So when we went that morning and Dylan was with us, too, and we signed like 15 documents that they had given to us in English prior. So we knew what we were signing. But. We signed all this paperwork, and then we um, we brought an outfit, Erica, for you to that was our gift to you, right? And so Mona, uh, one of the women at the at Udeme, carried you down the steps in the outfit, and she pre- and then she presents you. She presented you to us, and I said, "Your big brown eyes are gorgeous, and you smiled beautifully at us the moment we met." on July 25th, 1994, at 9.30 a.m. And, sorry, the listeners can't see this either, but there's no greater joy. It doesn't matter if it's a child by birth or a child by adoption. There's no greater joy than a little baby looking up into the face of their parents. So that's such a sweet picture. So I didn't cry or anything? No, you didn't. And Dylan was so excited. And yeah, he, he was I a- remember that that day we were signing these documents like over and over. And the lady said, "Well, do you have any questions?" And Dylan asked a question we all wondered. He said, "When do we get to see Erica?" That's so cute. So sweet. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh my gosh. It was just really wonderful. Yeah. Was the plan always to keep my name? Well, actually, I don't know. We threw around a few other names. Yeah, we had. um, I heard through the rumor mill that she was maybe going to be a Jessica. Well, I think Jessica she... was her pretend name when <laughs> she was <laughs> That name never came from us. <laughs> I remember we talked about Marissa. Yeah, we um. (laughs) So we had a couple names that we wanted to keep, kind of a Latin American heritage type name. And when we were when we were told the given name was Erica Adriana, I thought Erica, wow. And well, that you know, just and then later we heard um, somewhere, I think some of the Europeans said that sometimes the birth mothers chose names that might fit the family, like. American family culture. So we never knew if Erica is a true. I mean, Adriana, yeah. obviously. We never knew if Erica is a popular name in Columbia. Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Interesting. Announced a little differently. Yeah. But anyway, but, as soon as we heard it, we liked it. Mm-hmm. And then we put it with our last name and we put with Dylan and Erica, Erica, Dylan. It just fit. Yeah. It just fit. And you know what? I'm, I'm, um, I, that was nice that we did that, yeah. that we were able to. Do I'm glad. That. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we knew a lot of people who didn't do that and that's fine too. I don't know. That'd be interesting if, if birth mothers are, you know, given that suggestion right. so that they can keep a name. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, yeah. I know we did think about other names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just stuck. It's, I like it. Yeah. It works for you, Erica. Works for well. Sort of a funny a little aside, but still related to the name. So the day after I hung, I hung up the phone at the office, 
I called my Lowell and then I called my parents and your mom probably. Oh yeah. But, um, I was talking to my dad and he had trouble hearing on the phone, which was part of this problem. But he said, what's her name? What's her name? And I said, Erica, what? Erica, dad, her name is Erica. And he said, America. (laughs) (laughs) It was a funny moment between my dad and me because we were so excited to know what your name was and he just couldn't (laughs) grasp what I was saying. So that you could have just named her that and her name would have been a joke forever. I would have loved (laughs) it. I'm going to start calling you that now. Well, it's funny because Adrian said when I first was dating him, I would tell people, like, hi, America. And <laughs> America. America. Oh, yeah. It does funny. sort of flow that way, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. gosh. That is too funny. <laughs> back to when you went to Colombia, how long were you there? What was the process then? Did you meet me the first day you arrived or we the next morning? You, we met you day two, I think. The next morning after we got there. Yeah. And did you guys just have one trip to Columbia? One yes. trip at that time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so Dylan and I, we all three went out together. Dylan and I stayed and I, I had kind of started a new job and I believe I had one week vacation, but they gave, oh. they gave me an extra week. Oh, that's good. Paid, I think for this. And so Dylan and I stayed for two weeks and I looking, looking back, I've said to Sally, it's too bad we didn't stay the whole time because Sally was there 30 days. Um, But it was expensive. And even staying at the place we were at, Dylan and I had another maybe $80 a day. So it was just financially, I think, and I had to get back to work. Yeah. About to start kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. So, he he had a home because right. we didn't know how long I was going to be gone. So yeah, Dylan and I had to leave after two mm-hmm. weeks, and that was really hard. Yep. And then Erica, you and I flew home on the twenty fifth of August. So, and the first time I put you in your dad's arms after it had just been you and me for the whole month. You looked at him and you just <laughs> screamed. <laughs> How soon we forget. <laughs> so why did you have to wait a whole month? So you met me on the second day. Was it just a lot of paperwork or? Yeah. So what happens, and I don't know if, if this is still the process or I, actually, I don't think very many international adoptions are happening that way anymore or down there anymore of a different time. But, um, but at that time, all that paperwork we talked about had to go through, it had to get the stamp of three different judges. And so they were, if I recall, there were like 14 courts and you either had a, there were slow courts and there were fast courts. And so one of the people we traveled with at the same day we met our kids, he got to leave after two weeks. And I remember being like, he oh, left shortly after Dylan. I wow, left. he gets to go. And the reason was because he had a fast court. And you don't know which court you have until it kind of was happening. So each judge looks at that paperwork. And I don't know why it's three judges, if they do three different parts or what. We were a little unclear. But it had to pass through those three desks. 
And so the, each judge could let it sit, they told me, for up to 10 days. So if you're in a court where the judge wants to tackle that paperwork, he stamps it and it moves on. But oh, if yeah. you're... If the judge was a little slower, then it could sit there. And so that was why some of us had a fast process and some of us had a slow process. And ours was about what they said it would be. About average. About 30 days. Yeah. But every day wasn't going to occur. There were a lot of days. We um, we vis- visited places in Bogota and we yeah. walked around different neighborhoods. There's a lot of time we spent as tourists. Yeah. you're You're really busy the first couple of days. Because like the day after we met you, then the, the four of us needed to go to um, this place. Courts. And, yeah. yeah. And they asked questions. And we were looking back on that, too. And I just had written that a lot of their questions, there were just a couple questions. And it was about mostly about Dylan and did we prepare him for having a sister. And. <laughs> He was there too, and we all sat there, and <laughs> and then they signed off, and and then there are about there we are about three and a half weeks then of just sort of like Lowell said, being a tourist, and then at the very end you're super busy again because what you're waiting for all this time it's called the la sentencia, and when la sentencia happens, that's when your paperwork passed through all those important judges, judges, of course, yeah, and then. We had to get, we had help, of course, from the people there. But Erica had to have a a physical at the doctor's office. Then we had to get a passport for her. And then we had to go to court. And so those last few days, it's this flurry, whirlwind of activity. But then as soon as the sentencia came, we could start planning for our trip home. So by then I knew we would be leaving like three days later. Oh, wow. What a process. Did they give you a place to stay when you were there, or is all of that on your own, too? They recommended a place, and the place did um, pretty much they hosted mm-hmm. adopted like a parents. Yeah, bed and breakfast. Oh. Like a bed and breakfast. They had unlimited coffee, I remember. Mm-hmm. And it was called nice. Hotel <laughs> Residencia Paris. Residencia Paris, and they worked very closely with Ayudame. Um, and Children's Home Society, but yes. So we, so we a, had a lot of support all throughout. Right, and a lot of the people were like from Europe, and some of them were there on, we didn't know it was called on holiday. They were there, like they stayed a couple months and kind of mm-hmm. partied in town. They were just there, and it was it was really wow. fun to meet other countries, you know, other parents adopting. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a really fun place to stay. Fun. That's so cool. Yeah. And then... What was interesting too, and Erica, I found the, I told you, I found, I found the journal. (laughs) This was so strange because I brought this journal and somewhere in the first week or so I was looking for it. I was like, oh my gosh, no kidding. This was the, almost the identical pattern on the comforter at Uname. No, not Uname, at our hotel. Oh my gosh! But the the place we stayed at was this giant hotel, and we had maybe because there was four of us, we had a room. I think there was like eight beds in it. It was huge, and it was <laughs> very cold. So after Lowell and Dylan went home, Erica and I moved to a cozier, yeah, smaller. <laughs> they didn't want us to be there when they needed that room, probably for a bigger family again. Um, what I was going to say is that 
you know, when you look back on life's experiences and some of the greatest people we met and got to ever work with, um, were through that whole process. And some of those people, the families we met remain our friends today. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. interesting to look back on that too. And so when you're there, it was like this open door, like people would come and people would go and all the time, every few days, somebody would be coming like, oh, there's people coming from Wisconsin. Oh, oh, there's going to be Americans coming. A little little gossip, a little gossip (laughs) all the time. And we actually went back and traveled with a couple of those people who you guys met. Right. Yeah. When yes. we went back 18 years later, 18 years yeah. later, we, went, we knew a lot of the people that we were traveling with from the previous trip. We knew two other families. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's awesome. So then concluding your time um, in Colombia, um, obviously you had to get, I remember you mentioning passport and everything. What else like, did you guys have to prepare um, to bring Erica home like before you did so? The passport, her doctor appointment, proof of good health, mm-hmm. um, and then you, you know the the like helpers that. took care of so much of that. Like I had to have the passport on me, but then what I recall, and you know, a lot of years has have passed, so the, this may or may not be exactly right. But what I recall is that I was given a sealed envelope. And in that envelope had papers that Erica, when we landed in Miami, I needed to get those to the immigration um, immigration office. So that was a challenge because I was carrying you and carrying stuff and hoping that I made it to the next flight and I still had to go to this office that was so busy with people. And I had to hand that important envelope to immigration. And then what my mind is fuzzy on is if they then gave me the piece of paper or the little card, they must have handed that back to me um, for for me to be able to, to get us home back in the country. Mm -hmm. So um, there were steps like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then tell us about the flight home. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So we knew that people were waiting for us at the airport because that was back when you could go right to the gate. Yes. (laughs) And we, we, we didn't have a huge group coming, but we had some special people coming. And I was almost out of, I was out of formula. I had used my last, the last diaper. And I was thinking we should be landing soon, right? Should be landing soon. And all of a sudden the pilot came on the air and he said, well, folks, I'm circling around Duluth, have been for quite some time. Uh, There's a terrible rainstorm in Minneapolis and I do not have permission to land. And so if I have to do this much longer, we'll be heading back to Chicago because I can't run low on fuel. Oh my gosh. So I almost cried thinking, oh no, that can't happen. But you know, now I look at that and I think, well, of course people would have helped me. I mean, I wouldn't have been by myself trying to figure this out. But at the time, I remember feeling this bit of desperation. And then about, you know, five or 10 minutes later, he came back on 
And he said, good news, folks, I'm able to land in Minneapolis. So we landed in quite a rainstorm. And you guys oh, yeah. had waited for hours. Yeah, we waited at the airport forever, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So it was good to be home. I, I think that it wasn't until I was home, or at least I had landed in Miami. I remember, I'll never forget, seeing the U.S. flag and just feeling like, whew, this, um, I, sometimes I don't think you realize how much stress you're under until you're not under it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember that feeling of, oh my gosh, we're home. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then Erica, when I was looking at the baby book, yeah, I had written down something I had totally forgotten about. They lost our luggage. <laughs> oh my God. And they delivered it like at one thirty in the morning to our house. Wow. Yeah, and they just I, dropped it off the yeah, front door. I had written that, that all of our mementos and things were in the in the luggage that was lost mm-hmm. and that it got delivered in the middle of the night to us. So a lot of fun things like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So then you said there was a small welcome party at the airport who was all there. Dylan and I were there. Um, Tom and Muriel? Tom and Muriel, yeah. Um, my sister had to be out east. My dad had gotten really sick out east. He was in the hospital when we were gone. So that was stressful. Um, let me see. Who else was there? We should know this. Charlie and Karma? Charlie and Karma, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a few aunts and uncles. And there were like eight of us. Yeah. Yeah. It was... It was wonderful. They were all good sports waiting for the plane. (laughs) (laughs) At least that wasn't the time of being the airport where you just have to go round and round in the circle. So at least times were different. You could actually go to the gate. (laughs) Yeah. Sit in comfy chairs. Right. (laughs) And you had balloons and a few things like that. And, And then we just came home, just the four of us. Like they didn't come to the house or anything, but at that point, it was pretty late. Yeah, sounds like it was probably quite a night, but yeah, it was. It was good to be here. So then, fast forwarding, just kind of with Erica's growing up and everything, were there any initial? I guess not necessarily something that was on her end as far as like behavior or something like growing up as a kid, but. Were there any concerns you guys had as far as her growing up being either being an adoptee, being Colombian, being, you know, any of those types of things? What's, I guess, what comes to mind when I say that? Well, we always made sure that we were open about the whole experience. The story. Yeah, the whole story. So that was. It was always just a part of our conversation. Yeah, part of our, what our family was made up of. Um, also, I feel like. We sought out, so certainly there there were concerns. I mean, we wanted to make sure that we provided Erica with opportunities to understand about adoption, to experience as much of kind of a, from a cultural perspective that she could. So mm-hmm. I sought out ways for us to do that that were really helpful to us. Um, again, I found out about these things mostly through Children's Home Society initially. Yeah, they were pretty helpful. But Parents of Latin American Children, called PLAC, that was a group that we um, 
were familiar with. And so Erica was in a dance troupe for like what Erica <laughs> years, a long time. And, and we were able to be connected with people that way. And then also we took part um, almost every year. Well, from third grade on every year. And then I think we first had to go there in first grade. Anyway, it was a week long culture camp um, mm. for kids who were adopted from uh, wow. Latin America, Central America. And so that was so helpful. I mean, Erica, do you feel it was helpful to you? For sure. Yeah. Like it was nice having those friends again. A lot of people we knew, well, we tried to have most of them come, but we had another group of parents and friends. And they also had a lot of things, I think, for parents, too, like classes that right. know, to, know that they had at the time. But I think now I realized what they had. And I was telling Risa about the life class and all of those different things they taught you there and the books they read. And it's kind of interesting because back then it was so, there wasn't a a lot of resources back then, but they made it pretty big, you know, pretty resourceful. But now I can only imagine what it's like with all the different, like Risa and I have found so many books for children and adults. It's just kind of crazy how much it's grown. So It was super helpful back then. I bet it's just grown so much too. Those are good points. Yeah. Would you say then those groups, even before adopting and like in the process, would you say like the groups and the communities would have been probably the most important and helpful resource that you guys had? Or were there any, I guess, books or things that come to mind that you guys used then? I don't remember that being so I think it's similar to what you just said about the children's books, that there weren't a lot of resources that I recall about that. There was one book once that we found out about through probably through uh, the summer camp. And Mm. you may not remember this, but you were maybe 10 or 11, probably around 10. And (laughs) one of the other parents and I decided to do this little book club. We were going to read this book. And I said to Erica here at home, Erica, this is a book that I'm going to be reading. Look. And the title was something like, you know, 11 things adopted kids want their parents to know or something. (laughs) And Erica looked at it and she just kind of scoffed. She goes like, that's all. You know, there's a whole lot more. Not more than eleven. <laughs> and I just an arrogant thing to say. <laughs> you have always been the same, haven't you? <laughs> I have never forgotten that moment because I remember we looked at each other, <laughs> and I said to her, "You're right. Yeah. This is." Oh my God, I, <laughs> I remember that. At all. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That is hysterical. Uh, that put us into perspective, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think kids have a way of putting things into perspective. Yeah, that was really good. Which now, you know, if I were to see that title even at my age now, I'd be like, that's it. Like, I get it. You know, she had a good point. Yeah, yeah. She did. We also um, went to a yearly picnic. Yeah. Which so that had a lot of people who didn't go to the camp, it was just kind of more broad that way. I don't know who that was through. Children's home. Yeah, that was children's home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. once in a while, the woman from Columbia would be there. Yeah, the, the representative. She, Do you remember meeting her, Erica, when you yeah, were? Yeah. yeah. 
And then there was another one that we went to after those picnics closed down. There was another one that our friend introduced us to. Oh, yeah. That was the Colombian um, community, right? Mm-hmm. Had like on their Independence Day. Yeah, had a party. We went and took part one. Yeah. And they were too, they're not necessarily. They were not adopt, Not adoptees. They were just Colombian people. Yeah. That was interesting, too. Yeah. So we just tried to, uh, you know, looking back on it, I wish I would have done more Latin American cooking and more, um, even more things. Um, But we, hopefully we provided, like, enough of a feeling of this is my heritage and this is who I am and so forth. Mm-hmm. You definitely did. What did you guys learn um, at La Semana then? That was always really interesting. It was. So every day they would have something, and we were talking about this. One of the things that I went to early on, sort of thinking like, oh, wow, this is a long time away, away from where we are now, because you would have been like seven. And I used to like to go to the panels of young adults. Oh, cool. You know? Because, well, it seems so distant, and yet you turn around a few times, and there you are, you right. know. So um, I always learned a lot at those events. Then there were things about, like, oh, parenting and how to talk to your child about adoption or things like that that I think people benefited from a lot. Um, we were talking about how when you're involved in groups like that, sometimes then you, you're able to pay it forward yourself. And a couple things happened with us that way. Like when we came back from Bogota, yeah. that next year we were on a panel. We were on a panel then. And we, oh, that's awesome. When yeah. Erica was little. And then, Erica, I remember you were on a panel or two as a young adult mm-hmm. for organizations. So um, it's really kind of neat how networking works out that way and you help one mm-hmm. another. So going back to that, I had a question actually um, just with those panels you had mentioned the topic of how to talk to your children about adoption. Is there anything that you would, that it just kind of comes to mind as being like, Oh my gosh, that is so smart. I wouldn't have thought of that. Like just something that maybe people don't hear very often or something that really stuck with you that helped you out. For me, I think it was that whenever a question came up, I tried to address it as best I could right then, you know, like at the level that the child that, that Erica was at, like, yeah. or if Dylan had a question too, same type or if of other thing. people had a question, I guess it's kind of your opportunity to maybe help them understand and maybe educate. Yeah. Yeah. I think most importantly for us was that, and again, preparing for this meeting, just kind of thinking about the process and everything gave us an opportunity to just kind of reflect on this. Mm -hmm. And we were saying that the big things that come to our mind is that, and this people don't always understand this, that families are made in many, many ways. So many different ways. And, and for us, there is, there was no different, there difference, there remains no difference between a child by birth and a child by adoption. The, the thrill, the joy, the, the parenting, right? It's the same. It's 
And so I wish for people to know that because I think that is one of the misconceptions that people might have. Um, Did you guys have any questions or, I don't know, issues with, with people asking you questions when like either when she was first adopted or later on regarding that? Like, did people ask you if it was the same or treat it really differently in their mind? I think people... Would ask that I think people sometimes. did inquire. Yeah. And also, um, people would wonder, you know, like if you have a child by birth and then you have a child through adoption, they always, oh. there's, they wanted to ask question like, really, what, yeah. how did you come to that? But they, they don't really ask No, it. they wouldn't say it in words. <laughs> they just kind of say it with their eyes. Just that look oh. on their face. You so know? then Dylan's adopted and we still know. And they kind of look puzzled <laughs> like, well, how did, <laughs> how did you get there? Yeah. Uh, and then the, what your friend said. When oh, yeah. That, that at my work. Spanish speaking. Oh, yeah. the, the story I had that was when I got back from Bogota, then I had a little baby picture of Erica and one of our customers asked, um, is that your daughter? And I said, oh, yeah, well, you know, we just came back from adopting our daughter from Colombia. This is Erica. And he said, oh, from Colombia, what's, what's, what language do they speak in Colombia? And I said, well, Spanish. And he said, oh, well, well, she speaks Spanish. And I said, no, she's like three months old. She, she'll learn to speak whatever we teach her, right? And he said, ah, maybe just an accent. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Yes. Uh, but it just shows, oh, that, uh, you know, the the information that just isn't that people don't understand. Yeah. You know, I, I went on to explain to them that actually don't work that way either. But right. It was always a classic moment for me that sometimes people just really don't understand, and it's up to us. Wow. To yeah, I think what you say is so true. It's like often I remember over the years, kind of wishing that people would ask more questions because you know they have them. Right. Sure. And then you can also like, cause obviously what we're trying to do is make sure that when people ask the questions, we can answer them, but also educate people on how to ask the question, right. you know, and I'm sure that is something that adoptive parents deal with possibly even more than we do, you know, just with the whole process and people not understanding it and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. Interesting. That- yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised because, you know, I have dark hair, dark eyes. My dad is dark. You know, we blend really well. So it, when they find out I am adopted, it's like, oh, wait. Or, oh, you just look like your dad. We get that all the time. Yeah. Or they they think you feel better when they tell you you can't tell. Oh, hmm. But you can't even tell. It's like, well, yeah. I don't think. That matter. Yeah. It, it's what it is. It isn't. You don't make me feel better by making it act like it's yeah. not, not. I think that's something that's kind of bothered me. People go, oh, but you can't even tell. Well, it's like, huh, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's not a negative thing. It's a good thing. So if you can tell yeah. it, it doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter. It doesn't make me feel better. Right. Yeah. You telling me. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I know. Yeah. The, um, Erica, I, I used to think, and I wonder, um, like one of the benefits I always felt about having sort of a broad group of people who were also adopted was that it was a place where when you kids were hanging out together, everybody got it. You know what I mean? Yes. Everybody understood. And I don't know if you could speak to that or not, but I always thought that that 
I hope was helpful too. Yeah, I can agree to that. But at the same time, at, at that age, we never really talked about being adopted. I'll bet oh, not. Yeah. I'll bet not. <laughs> Just at camp. So it kind of like you, you, it got brought up, you know, in the life class or things like that, but no one really ever talked about it. That makes sense. It's like you went to camp and it felt normal. Yeah. I guess in a sense, you kind of felt that connection to people without even having to say anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So going back to just, um, I guess, growing up as family and like being parents, obviously, since you had a biological child first and you're raising them at the same time. Were there any, and Erica and I talk a lot about, um, you know, nature versus nurture and all those kinds of things. Were there, uh, and this was a question from a listener, uh, were there any conversations about differences between Erica and your son that had you guys um, have to discuss adjusting parenting style just regarding like behaviors and patterns? You know, it's so interesting because since our kids are six years apart. Sure. (laughs) And one being a boy and one being a little girl. There were automatic differences already. Like when you think Dylan was 12 when Erica was six and, Mm. you know, 18 when she was 12. And Mm. so when, whenever we did activities or vacations, or even when we went to the mall, you know, we had to sort of, we did have conversations like, okay, but if we go to that place, uh, you know, if we go to that amusement park someplace, or if we go wherever we were going to go, how do we make it work for both, for of, both of them, for all of us? Yeah. You know, just because of that age so gap. Probably the difference is more due to age gap and one being yeah. a boy and one being a girl than, think, than the adoption or not being adopted. I mean, we always, we tried to just recognize, you know, differences based on personality and interests and mm-hmm. Other than, you know, like the camps and that type of thing that sure. well, right, went to right. Dylan wouldn't have been going to. but That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we just thought that was a really interesting uh, question cool. from listeners, like, because I would have never thought of that. But I'm sure that had a lot to do with, you know, with the age difference, because obviously six years is a huge, you know, yeah. difference, between, especially yeah. a boy and girl. That's got to be really different. But, of course, they are being raised by the same parents. So, you know, there's yeah. only so much that can you know, it's yeah, funny how a great big brother always supportive, and they yeah. were taking them both to soccer matches, and they would be in different parts of the field, but yeah. they would be at the same time. So there's a lot of things that they had in commonalities. Common. Yeah, sure. I guess then moving forward, I guess to the latter part of Erica's life, what were your thoughts and feelings around when she was searching for birth mother, birth family? And thoughts and feelings as far as meeting her with Erica, because that obviously, I mean, 18 is a pivotal time in anybody's life, let alone an adoptee who's meeting their birth mom. Like, what are you what are your guys's feelings on that? I I think we were pretty much always open that when she felt she wanted to do that, we wanted to be supportive. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember Erica and I talking about that, that I said, when you, when you turn 18, if you want to, we will help you. Um, and so that's what we did. And I will say that, um, that reunion was probably simultaneously the most joyful and yet the most painful Hmm. emotional experience. It really was. It was beautiful and sad and 
Yeah. I mean, it, it was, was just, it was, it was an emotion like no other because of that joy and then the pain at the same time. It's yeah. hard to explain to you, but I'm, I'm sure Erica, as you think about it, it maybe it was similar, you know, because mm-hmm. there's loss and a gain and there's extreme just, yeah, joy there's so and much. extreme pain all at once. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. But, um, Really, when you think about the emotional experiences in life, that's probably like ranks way up there. there, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you agree, Erica, with that? Yeah, I agree. That's what in that our gosh, one of our first episodes, we talked about the whole. Mm -hmm. You can't even really explain the feeling, so I agree. You just can't. You just can't. I'm. I'm glad. I mean, it's a great thing we. It was actually a really great experience for us to go back to Bogota, too. Mm-hmm. And the country had changed, it changed so, so much. much. Lots has changed. Yeah. No, it was, for us, it was much more modern and it felt safer. Interesting. The second time. Yeah. Though, each time we were, we were a part of a group and with people right. who yeah. were making decisions for right. us, helping us. <laughs> it was definitely more modern. I mean, it was... Families were out enjoying parks and the plazas and things like that, shopping. And the first time we did not see much of that. Yeah, there was you a know? lot more military presence the first time. Yeah. It was a, and a, yeah. an election had just taken place. It was a lot more political unrest. Yeah. When we went down to. Uh, In 94. Yeah. 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 Well, we wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, Erica. She's a good one. So much. I like her. <laughs> and joy. And we love her to pieces. Where did all, that, where did all those years go, Erica? I know. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and kind of giving so your kind of story. I know some of it we've probably talked about many times, but I feel like throughout the years, I either didn't hear it fully or didn't you know comprehend it at that time whatever it may have been it was kind of nice just to revisit the whole process so thank you yeah yeah it was good for us too there were things that we learned looking back at this especially i was surprised that there were 18 countries available to children's home society that's so interesting. I wonder what that looks like. I mean, obviously, like we had talked about, it's not really happening right now, but I wonder how that changes over the years. Like right. mm-hmm. history of adoption, that would be something that I think would be really interesting yeah. to dive hard into yeah. because yeah, there's so much to know. Because when yeah. we went back to Columbia, they said they don't do international adoption at all anymore. No. And they hardly, I mean, they had no infants. No. Maybe one or two, one. But very few. Yeah, a couple right? older kids. And yeah. Dad, you were saying a lot of the older kids, at least back then, they didn't want to be adopted because. Uh, no, what happened sometimes with the older kids, um, they told us, was that they sometimes parents brought a child to the orphanage because they just couldn't afford, they just couldn't raise them. But they would visit periodically so that they would not be. Um, available for adoption. So they visited enough times they wouldn't be, um, that child might not be um, adopted. So, Yeah, and then the other thing that happened for babies is if they had significant health issues, then they maybe weren't adopted when they were young 
and then you know then they're then they become young children mm-hmm. who are in the system but n- never found a a family for them mm-hmm. yeah um i remember erica when we met you when you were a baby okay so that first moment we just left we didn't go on a tour but a week later we got to go back to udemy for a tour and so we saw the nursery and the bassinet and things like that where you waited for us and at the time that room had probably they probably had three rooms or four rooms nurseries and each one had about 12 or 14 little bassinets in it so there were a lot of infants wow back, back in yeah that time at that time period mm-hmm. yeah gosh well well i appreciate you bringing her here so that i could be her <laughs> so interesting how you guys met and i know you've told that on your podcast yeah, before yeah but what a story that is right i know crazy how that happens i, know. I remember coming to meet Erica for lunch or something. And she was telling me, uh, we were having our picnic and she was telling me about you. It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> there's a person in my work who, <laughs> and she told me the story about yeah. how you guys met. That was cool. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy that we have that similarity, but I mean, it's, you know, obviously just only kind of grown and as we've been able to do this. And I think that's, a great use of a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, great what you guys are doing. Yeah, really, really wonderful. Really wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for coming for our podcast. This was such a great interview. And I learned a lot about Erica. I learned that her sass has gone far back. So <laughs> way, way, way back. <laughs> Do you guys have any last questions or words for us at all? I just want to say thank you so much. It was an honor to be invited. Oh, thank you guys. You guys are the best. (laughs) Hopefully we can do a parent uh, party sometime soon when COVID is over. I know my parents would love to meet you and exchange uh, Columbia stories. Likewise. We would too. (laughs) Thank you. You too. Take care. Well, that was our interview with Erica's parents, and it was amazing. <laughs> I learned so much. Like I said, I felt like I didn't know all of the things, you know, and we never talked about what they felt with my birth mom and having that experience. So that was kind of interesting to hear and feel that they felt the way I felt. So yeah, it, that that was kind of cool because I thought I was, you know, it was a huge moment in my life, but also in theirs. So that was really awesome to kind of just bring that together and learn a lot more about their process as well so it was super super nice doing that interview and it's been a long time coming how do you feel right now I know before we were like it was kind of just excited nervous and stuff but like how do you feel now like how does it all just it feels feels right I feel like that's just, and doing it in this setting, it feels more natural than like, oh, let me just ask you a bunch of these questions now, you know. Yeah. Awkward. Having you there with the support and kind of having it as like a podcast for other people um, just gives you that kind of that. Almost like third party, like it removes. But yet at the same time, like, 
It's so personal. It is personal. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I've loved and what I've kind of realized when talking to people about podcasts is the way that you, you and I have these deep conversations together. We just happen to record them. And now I've gotten used to like editing them. And this is just kind of a side train of thought, but it's just like, we've gotten so used to doing it that now it's like the vulnerable fear is not really there anymore. I think, like you said, the timing was perfect to talk to your parents right now. I agree. So it, I feel really good. Yeah, I learned a lot. And honestly, especially just now what, with what we can learn to talk to my parents next. And it'll be so interesting to see the comparison because there are a lot of differences already, especially the fact that the two visits, your brother was there. My sister was not like, there's a lot of those that I'm like, were those rules? Were those personal decisions? And why? Like, and they went through different agencies, so it could have been yeah, who knows? It's completely different. So that'd be so exciting uh, to talk with them and go through that interview. That should be coming out hopefully after this, yeah, yeah, later this month or early next month. Keep an yep. eye out for her parents' interview. But I feel really good. I'm just so grateful that you know we both got blessed with such great families. Me too, and I can't wait to finally have all of us get together. When COVID is over. (laughs) I hate that phrase. I was going to say, like, that's a non-ending phrase. I hate it so much, but I just wanted to say it ironically. (laughs) So given the fact that this is landing on a Monday evening after work, um, Erica and I need to go watch The Bachelor and text each other for the next two hours. So we got to (laughs) go. Like, um, comment, give us feedback. Yes. Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on all social medias. Check out our new website. We're continually updating mm-hmm. that. Um, just excited for this new year. So, woo-hoo. Until next time. Later. Bye. Bow, 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 bow. Bow.